That was the opening music to Universal Studios' Frankenstein, released in 1931. And I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm uh, Bob Johnson, and we welcome you back to Classic Movie Reviews. Yeah, and you can find us on the web at classicmoviereviews.net or just search in iTunes for Classic Movie Reviews. And we're talking about probably what I, I think what I would consider the first real modern horror movie, uh, Frankenstein, which came out the, fir- the same year as Universal's Dracula. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to talk about our favorite scenes as opposed to going through the movie scene by scene. Uh, there's a lot of really g- great scenes here, and maybe we can talk about a few things that we didn't like so much about it. There were a couple scenes that we didn't like, uh, but mainly we're just going to talk about what we really, really enjoyed in this movie. Do you want to say anything before we get started? Well, I was just uh, going to recap what I found as I was doing a little research. Universal Studios was the uh, was the uh, maker of this film as well as all, most all those horror films from the 1930s. I was reading yesterday in one of those books that I mentioned to you, uh, Universal only made money two years during the 1930s, 1931 and 1934. And the rest of the time they were just kind of struggling to break even. That surprised me because they had so many movies that they put out. And the other thing is on the director's uh, side, James Whale, he made so many uh, movies in the 1930s, Waterloo Bridge, Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein. And then um, in 1998, there was a movie, Gods and Monsters, that I guess uh, could be characterized as a fictionalized story of uh, Mr. Whale. I've seen that movie. It's It's very well done. So those are, oh, and this movie uh, made uh, $12 million when it came out in box office receipts, which was a big reason why 1931 was a good year for Universal. I wonder what that would be in today's dollars. That's got to be a huge take for that movie. You You know, that's a good question. I thought when I looked at that figure this morning, was that figure brought forward to now? Is that $12 million in today's dollars? Or $12 million in 1931. I don't know. Uh, one thing that I learned about Universal Studios is that it's it was started as a family-run business. Uh, the founders were family-run, and most of the people that were working at the studio were somehow related. So <laughs> I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> that is neat. I think as many as 70 employees were family members of one kind or another, of one relationship or another. That's a great place to go, though, for a tourist trip. I tell you, well, yeah, that was nice something job. that that was something that I noticed. It's not really a favorite scene, but uh, I noticed that the sets were really, really well done, and I knew that they were all filmed. <clears throat> you know, all the city scenes and the town scenes were filmed in the back lot there at Universal, but. If I hadn't known that, I would have sworn that they went to Eastern Europe somewhere and filmed the movie because they just look so real. They really, they really did. I also wonder if when we've made those tours of Universal Studios, we saw those buildings or some of them and didn't even know it. Yeah, I think uh, we probably, I don't know if any of those are still around, but it's certainly possible. 
they did do a little bit of filming outside of the back lot. Like the lake scene was was a lake in the foothills. Uh, oh, you're right. I remember that. It was over by Malibu somewhere. Yeah, I'd forgotten that. Well, that those are my comments on kind of the background. I always like to look up how these films were made and well, created. And what did you think about the it. What did you think about the music? You always have some thoughts about <clears throat> the music. Very good. Yeah, very good. I'd put it above the average of the movies that we've done. Uh, not as memorable as some, but uh, very good. Yeah. But I would say it was better than the creature from the Black Lagoon. Where they just did that one, you know, sort of theme <laughs> yeah. over and over again. <laughs> what did they, it was several dozen times they played. That it was one, yeah. more than yeah. It was a crazy, crazy number of times. But let's just start off with. Uh, I'll start off by talking about okay. my first favorite opening. Uh, my first favorite scene, which actually is the opening scene, not the not the prelude where the actor comes out and gives you the warning about what you're about to see. Mr. Carl Emily feels it would be a little unkind to present this picture without just a word of friendly warning. We are about to unfold the story of Frankenstein, a man of science who sought to create a man after his own image without reckoning upon God. It is one of the strangest tales ever told. It deals with the two great mysteries of creation, life and death. I think it will thrill you. It may shock you. It might even horrify you. So if any of you feel that you do not care to subject your nerves to such a strain, now is your chance to... Uh, well, we've warned you. Which I like that scene, but uh, this is the, my favorite first scene is the opening scene in the graveyard. And I just thought it had a great gothic kind of horror quality to it. I love the backdrop that they had that looked like it was perpetually cloudy and rainy. And those skeleton statues that were holding the swords were just fantastic. That was one of my uh, favorite scenes, too. Uh, and so we agree on that one. That was an eerie place. Whew. Yeah, and, and they took their time in building up the kind of the suspense in this movie, which is one of the things I really like about these older movies. They really took quite a bit of time just showing the gravedigger sort of getting ready to fill in the hole, you know, the grave. And my first thought was, well, why doesn't Dr. Frankenstein just go knock out this guy and, and just steal the body? It should be a lot easier than, you know, having to dig up the grave again. Uh, but I think he just wanted to be, this is all kind of secretive, and he didn't want people to know that he was working on these dead bodies. Well, plus it gave him a chance, it gave the director a chance to have the sound of the gravel hitting that coffin. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So what's your, what was your, so we both agreed on that one. What was your next favorite scene? Well, mine is kind of a general one. Every time they show the laboratory equipment when it's fully operational, I just really, I really love that. All those flashing lights and... 
lab assistant looks like he's half crazy running different things. I really like those. Well, and we learned in uh, in our review of Young Frankenstein that uh, there was one person who had built all those and had stored them after the after they were finished using them in his garage or some kind of like storage shed somewhere, and they went and found that guy and they got those pieces of equipment back and restored them and used used those exact same. Uh, pieces of set in Young Frankenstein. So I thought that I was know. cool to see them, you know, in their original condition there in the movie. Well, that kind of leads, your second, that leads into my second one, which is right after uh, Dr. Frankenstein has hoisted the creature up to the roof to be electrified. And then he creature comes back down and, and you can, and moves his hand and the doctor, it's, the classic scene, probably one of the most famous scenes in all of film, was Dr. Frankenstein saying, It's moving. It's alive. 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 It
the uh, secret to life, the, the original ray of the universe that brought life into the universe. And Dr. Waldman says, And your proof? Tonight you shall have your proof. At first I experimented only with dead animals, and then a human heart which I kept beating for three weeks. But now I'm going to turn that ray on that body and endow it with life. And you really believe that you can bring life to the dead? That body is not dead. It has never lived. I created it. I made it with my own hands from the bodies I took from graves, from the gallows, anywhere. Go and see for yourself. And so they go into the the laboratory to see the experiment and they can't I don't think they're they all can't really believe what they're seeing because it actually worked and so my next favorite scene was right after that Dr. Waldman and Henry who's Dr. Frankenstein are sitting and talking because they're kind of talking through the implications of the fact that he's brought this these this dead tissue back to life and this is this is such a classic moment uh Dr. Frankenstein says, well, you know, we've used the, you know, the best brain we could find. And it was the brain that was stolen from the university. And Dr. Waldman says, the brain that was stolen from my laboratory was a criminal brain. The look on Dr. Frankenstein's face was just awesome. <laughs> he was like, uh, oh, no. <laughs> and he kind of blows it uh -huh. off and says, well, what difference does it make? I think it makes kind of a little bit of difference. A brain's a brain. Mm -hmm. My my, my uh, third scene is is that whole general uh, those scenes you just described, and and the uh, obsession that Doctor Frankenstein has. It's like amazing. He looks like he's half possessed. Well, and, and the the actor who played Doctor Frankenstein. Can you remind me his name again? Um, uh, Colin Clive. Colin Clive. Yeah. He was kind of a haunted person in, in real life, and I think he brought that quality to the role. He did such a great job. He sure job. did. He sure did, yeah. So the fourth scene, uh, I'm just looking at your list and mine. I think my next one is when we first see the creature from behind his head. Mm -hmm. and, and that whole lighting black and white photography the way you look at the head for a long time back of the head and then it gradually turns i i really like that scene it's so well paced and then he is so scary as the creature wow that that would be my fourth yeah mine's right mine comes right after that scene i agree that was a great that was really well done uh but Probably my favorite scene in the whole movie, and maybe one of my favorite scenes in of all time, is when Dr. Frankenstein is going to show the creature the light for the first time, and he's saying to Dr. Waldman, he's never seen the light, and this will be the first time. And he so he pulls back this curtain or something, and the sun shines down from above, and it's like this, this light from heaven shining down on him, on the creature, and... And I just thought Boris Karloff did an amazing job of 
there's no dialogue. It's just him sort of reaching up for the light. And then when the light goes away, this, this look of like utter sort of disappointment and despair of like, where, where did it go? Bring it back. And I just thought that was so well done. I just very emotional scene, even though it's a very simple scene. It seems to me that that's sort of a, uh, scene that could have been in any of the silent movies that were made in the 20s because like you say it's so powerful and you can see that Boris Karloff had done a lot of silent movie acting and I I may be wrong but I, I don't recall a scene like that in Young Frankenstein I don't think I don't remember I don't a scene like that either that like definitely that. didn't ring a bell for me from Young Frankenstein yeah um, that is that's a great scene. I guess my next one is kind of an overlap with one earlier, and that's when Doctor Waldman, who's played by Edward Van, Van Sloan, fully understands just what's happened, and uh, in his head is probably thinking, "My God, what has this guy done?" Well, there was. I thought it was so. One of the things I didn't like about the movie, um, it was. It was after they realized that the creature was sort of uncontrollable, and and I don't know if you'd say that that it was insane, but just just earlier he'd killed Igor by hanging him in in the cell where they kept the creature. The, the creature had killed Igor, and it's not. I mean, Igor was a pretty terrible person to the creature because he kept torturing him with a torch, and the creature had sort of had enough and and hung Igor, and they. Uh, Doctor Frankenstein and Doctor Waldman realize that we've got to we've got to kill him, and and then and then Doctor Frankenstein says, "Yes, but I need to go. I need to go get ready for my wedding." <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. So can you take care of that for me while I go down to the village and get ready for my wedding because I'm getting married uh, tomorrow or you know something like that. And then so Doctor Waldman's left alone in the windmill laboratory with the creature, and they they've knocked him unconscious. And I think the only way I can make any sense of it is that Doctor Waldman was sort of like becoming obsessed and fascinated with the creature as well, because they could have just easily killed him right then and there. But yeah. they put him back on a laboratory table, and and he was like doing he was going to do another experiment, or he was going to. Dr. Waldman was going to do something. I just thought, you know, that didn't really hold together very well for me. And it was funny that, that Frankenstein had to kind of get, well, I mean, he was kind of injured too from the fight with the, the creature, but yeah, that didn't really make a lot of sense to me. I uh, That whole uh, part of the movie to me had, uh, had some uh, areas that I wasn't sure about. Uh, is it Igor or Igor? I'm back to Marty Feldman. Is it Frankenstein was, or Frankenstein? <laughs> but, you know, he was using a whip. And, and, and then so there's a scene where they open the door and there's there's Igor hanging from the ceiling. And I, my thought was, did anyone think to take him down? Yeah, they never uh, showed like, never what happened. That out. They never showed what happened to Igor. And then uh, the uh, Dr. Waldman character... Is, is done in by the creature. And my next thought was, why didn't somebody think to look for the doctor earlier than when they did? Because he was supposed to be at the wedding. 
it's sort of like, well, I think Doctor Frankenstein. Yeah, Henry commented that. Well, he's always late. <laughs> so, he's no taking kidding. care. Of, he's taking care of some business up at the windmill. He'll be here in a, in a few hours. I think the brutality in that uh, dungeon scene between Igor and the creature. Well, all that was done before the uh, movie production code came into effect later in the 1930s. If this had been made maybe in 1941, they probably would have had to change a bit of that scene because of the uh, the uh, abuse that was was uh, taking place with the whip and the fire and all. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. Um, just a quick aside, I, 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 me I mentioned a couple episodes ago that I'd watched the original King Kong. And there were some scenes in that movie where the the that King Kong was taking and grabbing the the natives and and biting their heads off and throwing their bodies down on the ground and stomping on them. And then when King Kong was in New York, there was a scene where he reached into one of the apartment building windows and grabbed a woman out of bed. But it wasn't you know it wasn't the person that that he was looking for. So he just dropped her. And there were a few other scenes like that. And when the movie was released, they cut out quite a few of those scenes because they felt that they were too violent. But, you know, obviously today it wasn't, it didn't come across quite as bad, but it was kind of shocking. And I, and I was a little bit shocked at how brutal they were to the creature in, in this movie in, in kind of the same way. It was, it was unexpected. And I think it plays into making the creature a more sympathetic character. You kind of see that he's just being abused, and here he is chained up and in a dungeon and, and kept in the dark and being whipped and being tortured by this guy with the, you know, with the fire. The, uh, the thing I noticed about your scenes and mine that's missing is the scene where uh, the creature and that little girl sit by the lake and pick flowers and then he, he uh, throws her into the lake because he thinks she's going to float and I agree I don't think that's one of my favorite scenes but it I don't think that would have appeared if this movie had been made five years later or ten years later that 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 scene is really haunting to me with that little girl that's just it sticks with me too yeah you know how we watch those making of uh, featurettes on right. the blu-ray um, they they did. There was a cut of the movie where they don't actually show the monster throwing the little girl into the lake. They it cuts from them throwing the flowers into the lake, and then the creature like realizing he doesn't have any more flowers, and this look comes across the creature's face like, oh, well, I'll just you know, you, and then it just cuts to the scene of the dad in the village carrying the daughter. And I think that actually has the opposite effect. I think that's actually more ominous and more creepy. And you, Because what they actually show is the creature throwing the little girl into the lake, and then this remorse and this, this like realization comes across the creature that he's done something that he regrets. And if you don't show that creature, the creature sort of having that remorse, paints the creature into an even more sort of yeah. uh, villainous light, I think. so. I, I agree. It's just that whole scene is unnerving to me with the little girl. Well, and then that, and then the way that the dad walks through town with yeah. the girl limp in her, his arms, that's just really heartbreaking. 
Um, I didn't put that as one of my favorites, but I would say that it's a really powerful scene. But my my next favorite scene, only because it really is some really well done acting, is the scene in the garden with Elizabeth and Henry. And he's sort of convalescing after the fight with the creature, and they're talking about... It's like heaven being with you again. Heaven wasn't so far away all the time, you know. I know. But I didn't realize it. I worked. Those horrible days and nights. I couldn't think of anything else. And Henry says something that almost sounded more like he was talking about his own life. You know, and once I knew that he had some drinking problems and depression problems, and it just, it was a really well done scene, I thought. It really is. You know, it's it, it's interesting. When we did Young Frankenstein, I think between us, we came up with almost 20 of our favorite scenes. Yeah. And I think if we did that here, we would also come up with that many almost. Some of them today overlap, but there's another 10 that we didn't include that are really good. And That's, this is a shorter movie than Young Frankenstein. I think Young Frankenstein was almost two hours, like an hour and 45 minutes. And this is about an hour and 10 minutes. Um, because right. the Young Frankenstein also took a lot, borrowed a lot from The Bride of Frankenstein, which we're going to review next. And I'm really looking forward to talking about that movie because there's some really neat, unique scenes in that movie. And um, we're probably going to have 10 or 15 scenes from that movie that we that we really like. Yeah, I agree. So the, the co combination would be as many as we saw earlier in Young Frankenstein. So I think, uh, I think our last favorites we kind of agree on too. Uh, mine is sort of more the general tone of the windmill crowd and burning uh, of the windmill, just the general flavor of that. And I think yours is more specific to the Dr. Frankenstein and the creature, but they kind of overlap. Yeah, mine was my my last favorite scene is this. It's just it's just a few seconds. Uh, Frankenstein has been sort of knocked unconscious by the creature, and the creature's carried uh, Frankenstein up into the top level of the windmill. He's awake now, and they are staring at each other through the gears of the windmill. And it it's just I don't know I don't know like what made them think to do that but it's just brilliant the way that they show the creature through the gears of the windmill and then they show the the doctor through the gears and they're looking at each other and it's like their eyes connect and they i don't know have this moment of understanding i don't know it's just really well done another another scene that could be in a silent movie there's no dialogue that's true i uh it's almost like uh dr frankenstein realizes he's created his bad self yeah, in this monster, like all of his all of his worst sort of tendencies <laughs> have been actualized into this creature. I like the uh, documentary watch we watched where uh, Boris Karloff's daughter said that he suffered back problems the rest of his life as a result of carrying Doctor Frankenstein up in the windmill to that area. That they they had to do it more than one time, and I guess he really injured his back in that. Well, and not only that, but the the uh, makeup uh, was arduous oh. to put on, and it wasn't anything like makeup uh, prosthetics today. So I think that also took a toll on him. 
But you know, his daughter also said something that I liked, which was that his that her dad was like the consummate English gentleman. You know, just very you know well groomed and well mannered and well educated and very nice person. And and after hearing more about him, I'd, I'd be like, I'd love to hang out with him for a day, just to kind of you know talk yes. and hear about his stories. I mean, he just seemed like a really cool guy. Nothing like the monster, the creature that he plays in the movies. Um, well, didn't you say that he didn't he didn't want to ever call it the monster, that, that he always wanted to refer to it as the creature? Yes. I either read that or, <clears throat> or that was part of one of those documentaries. And uh, he was a class act. And I remember watching him later in the 50s and 60s on television. And at one point he was the host of, a, I think it was an NBC television series called Thriller. Oh, okay. And he introduced uh, kind of semi-horror movies on television. And he was handsome then as well. So maybe I just wanted to talk about one more thing, which was... Uh, so we talked a lot about what we liked about the movie. And the one thing I didn't like... I mean, there was a few little things here and there, like why didn't they just kill the creature when they had the chance? And the one thing I really didn't like was when the creature somehow makes its way to the house of uh, Baron Frankenstein and sneaks into the window of Elizabeth's room while she's getting ready for the wedding. I mean, to me, if I were the creature, I would want to... If I escaped from the windmill slash laboratory, I'd want to get it as far away from people as I could. Uh, and, and I wouldn't go wandering into the village to you know, find Elizabeth. I mean, there's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I thought that whole part would have been better if... if they cut from the scene where Elizabeth is saying, Something is going to happen. I feel it. I can't get it out of my mind. You're just nervous. All the excitement and preparation. No, no. It isn't that. I've felt it all day. Something is coming between us. I know it. I know it. And then just cut to the scene where the father is carrying his daughter through the village. And that would have been way more effective, I think. Oh, I think they put that scene in just to make it more exciting or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think so. And I think if you were watching it in the movie theater, you probably wouldn't you wouldn't think about it because you're so into the film. But just having yeah. watched it many times, it just sticks out as being kind of odd. So I uh, I would give the movie an eight out of ten on our rating scale. How about you? I'd give it a 9 out of a 10. And I'd go back and revise my uh, review for uh, Brief Encounter. I'd give it a solid 9 for Brief Encounter. And I think this is this is on a level with, with that movie. I'd give it a 9 out of a 10. And I just thought there were uh, many different ways to watch the movie. You could watch it as just a pure monster movie. Or you could watch it as a study of sort of mania and, and obsession. Or you could watch it as what happens with mob dynamics and, and with the villagers and, and how they all get together to try to destroy the monster and burn down the, the laboratory. Or maybe the best way to watch it is just as the, a study of the tortured soul that, that is the monster. I think that's my favorite way to look at it, yes. is, is really just as from the monster's perspective. And it, there's just so many great aspects to the movie. I think one of the documentaries, one of the people said that children identified with the creature because of so many of the childlike qualities that he had 
Oh, and totally. I get, as I think about it, that's true. I think so too. I think that uh, Boris Karloff just did such a great job of bringing that aspect to the creature. I mean, you know, just from that scene where he's reaching for the light to the scene where he's playing with the little girl to scene when he has the opportunity to kill Dr. Frankenstein but doesn't because, it, you know, it'd be like killing his, his maker, his creator. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You know, so just just really well done movie. I really enjoyed it. And I'm really looking forward to next next time with Bride of Frankenstein because I think that's just as good of a movie but in a different way. And we get to hear the, the uh, creature speak. And the, the creature learns to speak, movie. yes. <laughs> So that'll be coming up in two weeks. So thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in, and uh, we hope you are enjoying classic movie reviews, and we'll be back in two weeks with Bride of Frankenstein. And Until then, I'm Matt Johnson. And I'm Bob Johnson. Thanks for listening. Have a great week of movie watching. I'm headed up to the Reagan Library tomorrow. I couldn't get anybody to go with me because of uh, one thing or another, so I'm going up myself. It, it's that Major League Baseball ex, ex, exhibit with 700 items, and it's about to leave, so I wanted to make sure I saw it before it took off. Oh, cool. That'll be fun. And I sent you a program from Saturday's Dodger game. Not that you're you know into the lineup for the Dodgers, but there's a great history of the team in the program. Yeah, that was a good picture you sent. That looked looked good. That was cool. It was a fun night, yeah. Probably a really. good night weather-wise for baseball, huh? Beautiful, perfect. And it's a beautiful setting because the mountains are in the background. I, I didn't realize it was so beautiful here. Once you get, you know, used to where, it's, where you're going and what the backgrounds are, it's very similar to me to Denver. <laughs>